You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. I got a bad feeling about this. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! He's looking at you, kid. What we got here is a failure to communicate. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Okay, so uh, this year, I think we've all sort of actually seen most of the films for once, um, which is a lot harder than it used to be now that there are so many Best Picture nominations. It was a lot easier when there were just five. Um, and I'm going to step on what I assume is going to be one of Holden's little trivia factoids and uh, say that I think I read that this is the first time since the expanded nominations that we've had fewer than nine, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, it's all been nine and uh, ten once. I think. And so this is, we're back down to eight, which is uh, better than five, but yeah, strange that uh, it seemed like a pretty wide open year. I thought a couple more might sneak in, but nope. Settled at eight. Settled at eight. Well, it's a pretty good little number. I am I'm relieved to see that they're not going to go for you know nine or ten every time. That there's you know yeah. a little discretion involved. Um, now the early favorite a lot of people were talking about was Birdman. That was sort of the default. Um, I'm sorry, no Boyhood. I meant to say Boyhood. Um, but we've already had the Producers Guild of America, and Birdman won that. Um, and I've been watching the odds as I do every year, um, and they've kind of shifted since then, but people still have Boyhood as the favorite. What do you guys think on, on either count? Well, I think, I still think Boyhood's gonna win, but, uh, as far as picture goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um... How do you feel about that? Do you, do you feel it's warranted? Me? No, I'm, you know, I was the guy last year who was all negative on 12 Years of Slave. I, I'm not so negative about Boyhood, I mean, I, I like it, uh, but... Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I had to do that. Um, my, um, you said it was, uh, they settled at eight nominations. Heck, I wanted, uh, Nightcrawler bad. I wanted that bad. I thought that was a good old fashioned, you know, entertaining movie with a lot extra. And yeah, Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler is one of my favorites too. I was really, I was really rooting for Nightcrawler. I, I really liked that one a lot too. But, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, Gilroy will make it. More more movies would be there, but, but I, I think it's uh it's just Boyhood's year, Linklater's year, uh, kind of uh not exactly a payback because I don't know uh, he's never had a film nominated, has he? No, he's never been nominated, never had a film nominated. So he's been nominated for screen for screenwriting. He and uh, yeah, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy together for those the, the second two uh, of the trilogy of the before trilogy. Um, I don't know. This could be a surprise, but um, I wouldn't expect it based on just on the last few years of the Academy Awards. They seem to have settled into complacency of we got to go along with the consensus or something. I don't know. So, yeah, Boyhood's interesting because, um, I mean, look, it's clearly being considered on two levels, right? I mean, there's the work of art itself. How, how much did I enjoy it? How entertaining is it, as Mark points out? It, not Even people who like it, I think, are going are gonna to admit it's not the most relentlessly entertaining film. Um, but then there's this tremendous amount of time and patience that went into it. Was it 12 years? Yeah. 12 years? You know, I mean, it's yeah. there's nothing like it. No one's ever done this. Um, and I'm probably going to write a little about this, but it kind of reminds me of uh, Tim's Vermeer, that documentary, uh, which I assume you probably both saw. 
and which is sort of uh, on a higher level about the debate between where or whether you draw on a line between art and labor. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- this can be, you know, a fairly, a pretty good film, but also very impressive on a technical level, the amount of dedication and patience that kind of went into it. And it seems pretty obvious to me that if it wins, that's why it's going to win. Does that strike you as like, first of all, reasonable? And second of all, does that, do you think that's a, a good way to choose a best picture? I know Mark probably doesn't. Mark, you tend to think, you know, movies should be, you know, a little more unabashedly entertaining. Um, well, I'm, I'm not going to say that every movie that wins best film, uh, the entertainment value should trump the artistic value. Cause, cause my mind isn't divided. I mean, I, you know, I guess my brain, my brain is divided, yes, by the two hemispheres, but, but my mind isn't divided into saying which is more important. You know, I'm just, I just leave it up to the individual films. I know I keep, people keep coming at me and saying, you're always like the entertaining movies. Like, what? You don't like entertaining movies? Right, right, right. By definition, I mean, you have to. But uh, this, I'm saying something a little more than just the distinction between, you know, an art house film and uh, a crowd pleaser. Like, you can make a really good argument that Boyhood should, should, quote unquote, should win, even if it's not a great movie, because it's a great technical achievement. Well, or a great on that level, of, of course. Do you know what I mean? Of course. You know, you know, it's only recently gotten a lot of the backlash, um, critical, too much critical acclaim. I mean, when a brand new movie gets a hundred on Metacritic. Yeah. I mean, you know, somebody's going to come after it. Right. I mean, right. I, I, I didn't really come after it. I was just, uh, you know, I, uh, I've seen it twice. I'm going to watch it again. And, uh, I just felt a little underwhelmed, but I gave it extra credit. If that's what you're talking about. Yeah. For ambitiousness. So, um, and that's sort of the question, right? How much extra credit do you give it for ambitiousness? Because I'm not seeing too many people suggest that they, you know, adored what the, the, uh, the experience of watching it. I don't know. Quite a few did because they say they really can relate to it on a very personal level, unlike most movies. So maybe they're talking about movies that, you know, American movies, uh, and, and our mainstream, because I think it's a mainstream movie. Yeah. Uh, but it somehow have more personal meaning for them. That's the way some people, uh, at the, the cider, uh, treating it. Mm-hmm. The ones that aren't trying to, you know, be in the backlash, uh, backlash on it. So. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, when anything gets that universally critically praised, there's always going to be backlash. It's inevitable. I mean, I don't care what it is. I mean, uh, especially in this climate. I think if you go back, uh, I think if Schindler's List was list, was released, you know, this year in this climate and this kind of <laughs> internet and kind of 24 hour and everyone just sniping and Twitter and, and making jokes, I think even Schindler's List would get some kind of backlash just because nothing can be so universally played. And certainly boyhood isn't on that kind of uh, level of ambition or, or scope, but uh, it's, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good movie. I think it's uh, the the backstory of it and how it's made is definitely part of what is catapulting it to be the movie of the year, if that's what happens, for sure. Um, it really is a very interesting idea and experiment, and it, and it worked out, and it you know comes together as a film. So, yeah, I mean, there have been other movies that take, took years to make that they weren't really by design, like, you know, year, um, uh, just blank, um, Orson Welles' Othello took years, but only because he didn't have money to finish it. And he would get money and film for film for two weeks and then shut down for four months and get more money and then shut down for a year. And shoot. But that was not by design. That was just because he didn't have money to actually get it done. 
so this was certainly different to, to conceive of a film this way and very interesting. And it was really fascinating to watch the, watch those, uh, two kids grow up on screen. And it's interesting that, you know, he didn't, uh, certainly it's called attention to everyone knows that is happening, but it's not, the film itself never called attention to it by putting up crawls and say, you know, two years later or the next summer or whatever. That just, it goes seamlessly kind of one scene to the next and he's just a year older or two years older or whatever it is. And it's just, it's pretty fascinating and effective. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's impossible now to separate that part of it from how it just plays as a movie. Yeah, you I can't. Mean, it, it, it changes the way you watch it dramatically. I was listening to some other podcast sure. and someone was relaying a story about some friend who somehow had not heard anything about this film. And he's sitting there about halfway through going, man, they really nailed the casting on this. This guy looks right. exactly like the right. other guy. Um, and then when he heard afterwards, it completely transformed the way he thought about it. I like what you say, though, about um, not using title cards to denote the passage of time, because even though it is it is sort of a, I don't want to say boring movie, but not a lot happens in it, right? It's not, um, there's not obviously. There's very little plot. It's very it's very much about uh, just life of life of each, of each year. It sort of generates a small edge of your seat thing in that every scene you're like squinting and going oh is he older oh how far is this is this another six months and you're sort of using your brain a lot more than you thought you'd have to for something with so little plot to it yeah that's true so it's a very good restrained decision um okay so it sounds like you both think you know pretty good movie impossible to separate it uh as a movie from the accomplishment of creating it at all and uh maybe we can't and maybe we shouldn't try yeah and i think it's i i think it's been the favorite. It's gonna. I think it's gonna win. I, I, there's very little chance. I mean, Birdman could upset it, but it's very, very unlikely. The Producers It'll Guild be, Award doesn't doesn't change your mind on that. Not really. I I, I think it's just gonna be an anomaly. I mean, they 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 mess every once in a while, and uh, this is gonna be one of those years. In its own way, though, Birdman is just as ambitious. I love. I mean, I love Birdman. I, the, the two, I mean, if we're talking about those two movies, if I was voting between those two, I would vote for Birdman in a heartbeat. I just love. Yeah, that so movie. would I. And if it's not Boyhood, it'll be Birdman. And and you're right, ambitious. It's bold, and uh, this is such a boring word to use, but confident. Like it, there's a lot of very unusual things happening, but it doesn't seem hesitant about any of them. It's like you keep up. You know, keep up if you right. want. We're doing something good here. If it, it, it oh, makes definitely. you feel, it, it kind of reminds me of Scorsese in that sense, where I just feel like this guy is positive of where he's going and it makes you feel like you're in good hands yeah there was definitely no narrative uh hand-holding and no focus group you could tell they were just <laughs> this is this is the this is the vision this is what we're going to make people either get it or they won't yeah. Yeah. Either turn out or won't. i mean he you know the way he's shooting it and he left himself very very little room for you know editing if it hadn't come together the way he envisioned it he's kind of screwed and the fact that it comes together just like clockwork is just astounding. I mean, it's just really, it's a great accomplishment. I think it's almost kind of a shame that it happened to be in the year of Boyhood, which I think if Boyhood didn't have, I, I hate to call it a gimmick. Cause it's not Everyone gimmick. says it's the just, word gimmick. There's no better word for it. It's, it's, just, it's just, it's not fair, but I mean, <laughs> high concept I mean, maybe. If Boyhood, if Boyhood didn't have that backstory to it, if you didn't know that part of the production, I think this might be Birdman, you know, it might be a great year for a weird, Great movie like Birdman and Win, but it's just uh, Bird, Boyhood Bird? is just a little, uh, a little more mainstream and a little easier to to swallow. And uh, you know, it's just I think it's just gonna make it. 
Yeah, you mentioned the editing. I don't want to category hop too much, but I did want to point out that, you know, as a movie, as just a movie goer, just a movie watcher, the editing sort of stands out because it's, it's, it's cut to look like one continuous shot. Um, and I assume right. there's a lot of, you know, digital wizardry going into that. It's not like Hitchcock and Rope where they zoom in on someone's back for a moment and then pull back and anything right. like that. But at the same time, even though that seems kind of weirdly impressive, it wasn't nominated for best editing. And I guess because technically speaking, that's not the hard kind of editing. Yeah, from a technical I mean, it was aspect, mostly right? editing and camera, mostly editing and camera editing and design. It wasn't uh, right. it was not any editing per se. <laughs> so it has more noticeable editing, but that's not necessarily what translates to the kind of thing another another editor is going to recognize as impressive. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how. I've never really I'm sure it was it's more a stylistic one choice. of the better ones listed. I'm sure it was sixth or seventh. I mean, right, right. I was surprised that it didn't get a nomination. To tell you the truth, hmm. but. Um, what I was going to say about Birdman was I think it's the kind of movie where you're either going to say, I, I don't like the, I don't like what they're doing. I, I can't, can't get into this. Uh, forget it. I'm not going to watch this again. Or you're going to say, uh, I want to watch that again now. Right. Right. Right, right now. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I want to see what I didn't see the first time. Cause I know I didn't see a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw a lot, but I know I missed a lot. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was Ebert who said that about, it might have been Synecdoche, New York, where he said, I, I didn't understand it, but I could tell there was more there. I could tell it was great before I understood it, something like that. Um, yeah, it has a very impro- improvisational feel, even though it's probably very tightly scripted. Uh, it's unpredictable. Yeah. I'm a sucker for any movie where, you know, I like to predict where a movie's going as it happens. I'm like thinking about the themes as it happens and trying to figure out where it's all headed. And I'm a sucker for any movie where in the third act, one of a half dozen different things could happen and none of them would surprise me. And that's what we had with this movie. I, I did not know how it was going to end. I thought it was going to end four or five different times, and it didn't. Um, so I was just, I was pretty impressed. Yeah. So it sounds like you, bo- you both you both enjoyed it more than Boyhood. For sure. Yeah, I did. I like Boyhood a lot. Uh, you know, being one of my top, you know, five or seven, whatever. It definitely be my top ten, but Birdman is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just amazing. But certainly those are the two that seem like they have any chance of winning, and the other six are just... There. Yeah. Well, let's just roll through them real quick. Um, Whiplash. Uh, I gotta say, I don't know how you guys feel about it. I think this might be the best film I saw all year. Yeah, Whiplash is like my would be like my third probably. I mean, it's it's right up there. I mean, like like Nightcrawler, I was really rooting for it. I was really happy and uh, a little surprised that it made it the best picture. And I wish Nightcrawler had been there with it. But I, I like Whiplash a lot. I, really I like do. that you say Nightcrawler because I was literally just about to say that it. it obviously, they're very different films, but it, it it felt similar to me in the sense of just being very tight very just nothing no fat on it you know what i mean like a very self-contained story a lot of films will try to tell a story a little bigger than they're prepared to um but they're just just really just no excess in either film i thought and uh boy i i'm I'm really i'm really smitten with whiplash and the thing i liked about whiplash a lot i talk about uh, not knowing where it's going to end i mean kind of the yes I think if you, if it was a TV version of this, TV movie version, or, I mean, but I mean, in the old sense, it was more traditional storytelling. I think it would build to kind of where the middle of the movie is. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it for people, kind of where the, 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 uh, performance is trying to rush to, and they have to rush back and forth. I think that would kind of be the natural end. Right. And that's only about halfway through. <laughs> and then there's this whole other great, weird, and I, I, I love that movie. And I thought, as I was sitting there watching it, I was like, if this builds to that, to with the minute, ending in the middle, I was only really disappointed. And that was like the middle. I was like, this is, this, this has me. <laughs> I've got it. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think of it, Mark? Oh, I was surprised. I liked it a lot. Um, 
I wasn't, even after the thing was over, once again, you see, either I'm getting really stupid in my old age or movies are getting smarter. I don't know. <laughs> because even when I was completely fooled and I decided that this is what the movie was trying to tell me, I sat there going, well, maybe that's not what it's trying to tell yes. me. Yes. Maybe it's trying to tell me the exact opposite. You guys have, because yeah, just, I have a note here you know, about to remind myself to, you know, what I want to talk about a little bit. And you guys have just read it out to me, basically. Uh, first by comparing it to Birdman and then saying you didn't know where it was going to go. That's, I, th- I thought it was pre- unpredictable, um, with its message, the exact same way Birdman was with its plot. You know, I don't really know right. where it's going to come down. And again, for the same reason, I just found that really thrilling and impressive. And it was a pretty good movie, you know, two-thirds of the way through before the unspecified event that Holden uh, referenced. Um, pretty good movie just just, just with that. Um, and then when it kind of goes off the rails in the third act and, and, and doubles back on itself a couple different times, uh, it just hits a new level. And Simmons, oh man, we'll get to him once we get to the, once we get to the best supporting actor category, but uh, wow. Yeah, it was the, one of those performances that as soon as you saw, you're like, well, there's, there's the winner for that. Guy. Right, right. <laughs> it happens every now and then. Yeah, I saw this movie, I forget back, you know, a few months ago, and when I saw it, I was like, well, there, that's done. Yeah. I don't know what I can picture in my head of Wilson's coming, but nothing's happened that. That's, this is his year. So let's run through the last, uh, last few here. Uh, I did not see Selma, so I don't have a whole lot to say about it either way. I did see Selma. I like Selma. Uh, some of the historical, you know, fudging, uh, especially with LBJ, I think it's warranted. I, I understand where the criticism is coming from, but it's, I think it's a really well-made and powerful film, kind of despite that, which really, looking back, just seems unnecessary. They kind of make Johnson, they kind of, I don't, I'm not, I've never heard, I haven't looked a lot of interviews to see why they did it, but they just kind of, they made Johnson more of a villain than he had to be. I think, I guess they were trying to get the whole arc of kind of what they were dealing with uh, all those years in the White House, rather than the specifics of what John, how Johnson reacted to this specific uh, march and, and, and this moment in history. But uh, even without that, I mean, I mean, obviously King's words are just still every time he gives one of those speeches yeah, chills, in the yeah. movie. Whoa, my God. The other three that we haven't talked about yet, also all biopics. Um, half of the nominees this year, actually. Uh, I'll guess I'll just run through yeah. those. Uh, American Sniper, uh, here we go again. Controversy again. <laughs> um, with all these pretty much. Um, in this case, controversy over its alleged endorsement of the war. But it occurs to me that we went through this with one of Eastwood's other movies with Million Dollar Baby, um, where you sort of had the other side of the political spectrum, uh, crying foul. They thought it endorsed euthanasia, famously. Um, and I think we talked about this a lot in the forums where in both cases, I really don't think it's endorsing anything. I mean, it's, it's, in both cases, it's depicting, uh, you know, trauma and people tortured about their choices. And both films seem pretty nuanced to me. I don't know. I guess I don't see it. I guess I just thought it was a pretty straightforward picture of this guy's life. Yeah, I thought it was pretty straightforward too. And that was, yeah, I mean, maybe my problem. I don't think it's a bad movie. It's, I think I was entertained. It was moved along all right. But I mean, I thought, I mean, when you read some of the things, I just would have been, he would have been such a more interesting character if they would have kept in these kind of more, you know, if they put more of his actual personality in than making him kind of uh, Sergeant York for a new generation. I mean, I think, I think it would have been a more interesting film. So, you know, pretty good film, you're saying. Definitely shouldn't win Best Picture. Yeah, and I could have done without, you know, the, I mean, I, besides, you know, whatever personality traits they took out and however they treated the war, you know, apolitically or not politically enough or whatever, depending on who you talk to. Just, you know, the kind of machinations that they put in there of the, you know, the super sniper on the other side. And that, I mean, that kind of stuff I thought, you know, it played okay for a movie, but I thought, again, the movie would have been stronger 
without it. And so, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but yeah, the script wasn't, I don't think was finished. The, what's actually you see on the screen, everything, everybody did a good job. I mean, there's, uh, and it's heartfelt and suspenseful and then the ending is, is good, but it seemed like they maybe rushed the movie to get it out this year or uh, in 2014. I don't know if Clint's health is bad or what, but I think if they'd waited another, you know, worked on the script a little bit longer and just made it, just made it gutsy instead of like, it's up to you to fill in the blanks. That's uh, also, it is also Clint's, it also is Clint's uh, second movie this year. People have forgotten the Jersey Right, Boys. I saw Jersey Boys. Right, so I mean, his, he did have two movies this year for a guy who's, whatever he is, yep. 107, yep. is pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I assume that the sort of rival sniper was made up because it seems made up and that sticks out like a sore thumb. Interesting though that that's sort of the same thing Selma did. They both decided we need one identifiable villain for our hero. We need to we need to either exaggerate an existing one or create one out of whole cloth because I guess that's right. what you do in a narrative is you create an easily identifiable villain. Yeah, I mean, well for Selma it was just odd because it just wasn't necessary. I mean there was so much going on that it just it's just a shortcut that just didn't need to be there. But, um, yeah, for American Sniper, yeah, it felt just like plot machinations more than anything. Um, okay, so two more Best Picture nominees. Uh, the Imitation Game, another biopic. Uh, I think we're gonna disagree about this one a little bit. I, I think it was, I think it's a pretty good movie. I felt, we mentioned, I mentioned earlier that all of these biopics are a little formulaic. At this point, the formula is, person X faces specific challenge Y while simultaneously dealing with cultural hurdle Z. Yeah, I mean, it was, it worked for me. I understand it doesn't work for everybody, but uh, it did work for me. Yeah, but I mean, all all biopics are kind of formulaic in general. I'll give them big props for the relatively elegant integration of the Turing test into the narrative. I would never have thought I'd see a film try to do that. <laughs> yeah, I to tell you the truth, I've, I people have been saying at the uh, at the site that um, they like well, not everybody, but the theory of everything better than. Uh, the imitation game, but I, I like the imitation game better. I mean, of the of the eight nominees, Theory of Everything is by far my least favorite. And the one we didn't talk about that we skipped, and uh, is one of my favorites is the Grand Budapest Hotel. I mean, I'm a huge, 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 huge Wes Anderson fan, unabashedly so. I know he's very divisive. I know some people just despise him and dismiss him by calling his movies all the same and all this stuff. I don't care. I, I thought it was incredibly entertaining. I've been waiting for him to finally kind of break through with the Academy, and I thought it might be uh, Moonrise Kingdom. I thought it was kind of mainstream enough and made enough money, but this was the one, and I'm glad. That's, I'm happy he's finally here because now I think he'll be back, you know, semi-regularly. Favorite, I think yeah, it's his I mean, best I'm, film, I think. Uh, yeah. I, I laughed so much at that thing. I mean, I, I, the, not the whole movie. I thought in the middle there was a little, little... A drop down, but man, when they got to the end and all that skiing yeah. around and all those effects, yeah. I was just, I, can't, I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. And I was just giddy with how much it, uh, I enjoyed it. And it's, you know, of his movies so far, it's really the darkest. I mean, there's some really, there's some really, there's oh, some the dark comedy, really the dark comedy's great. It's great though. It's just great. And He's getting darker, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy. I, I just I love Wes Anderson. I love this movie. I mean, I would, I would. There's no chance of winning. If it won, I would be. I would just. I'd probably faint. But I mean, I'm just glad it finally broke through. It's been a long time. He's gotten a couple screenplay nominations over the years, but this is the first time he's kind of broken through for director and picture. And thank goodness. And uh, yeah, you think he'll be a fixture now? Yeah, I don't know if it's gonna make you know 
the haters aren't going to reevaluate him. You know, I think as William Shakespeare said, the haters going to hate, hate, hate. Well, really, that was Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, but, um, but you know, the haters are going to hate him forever and ever. But I think this, uh, you know, maybe this will make some people reevaluate him. Certainly, critically, he's always been there. But now that, yeah, I mean, the Academy tends to once you break through, the Academy tends to, you know, give your films a shot. They kind of look at them. I mean, good for him. It's just, it's, it is a really fun, dark, weird, great movie. And it has all those Wes Anderson things that people either love or hate about Wes Anderson. Like uh, a thrift store blew up in the set designer's office. Yeah. What, there was an actually, there's actually a Best Director nominee this year for a film that wasn't nominated for Best Picture, which is pretty, pretty darn unusual. Bennett Miller for Foxcatcher, uh, previously nominated for Capote, I believe. Right, and back when there were only five nominations, this wasn't so rare. I mean, you, when there were only five Best Fiction nominees and five Best Director. There were years sometimes where there were two. I think there was one year where there were even three directors nominated who didn't have the film nominated. Since they've expanded, this is the first time that one of the five nominees has not also had his picture nominated. So I think the chances of him winning are basically none, but um, it's, it was an odd kind of... Yeah, it wasn't so odd that he made the cut of the five. It was just weird that Foxcatcher didn't make the cut for Best Picture. Yeah, I mean, I see the logic, though. I mean, having seen the film uh, not too not too long ago, actually, I mean, I get it. It's a very well-directed film, but it's not a great film. Like like the other four biopics, though, I mean, it has its problems, and it has its, you know, issues with history and all, everything else. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was an effective movie, but it's not one of my favorites of the other year now. But to sum up, Richard Linklater wins this one, even if Birdman wins Best Picture. Yeah, I don't think there'll be a split this year, but if there was, it would be because Linklater won director and somehow didn't win. Boyhood didn't win picture. But, yeah, this is his to lose, clearly. I mean, uh, there, I guess there are lots of ways to... Reward the picture for its design, for that concept of, of filming over such a long period of time. But this is clearly, since uh, he's a writer, director, and everything, and producer, this is clearly the way to say, hey, that was a really, really cool idea and a way to go. This is the way to say, to, to give him best director. So I, I think there's almost no chance that anybody else can win. And, it's, and again, it's a shame for Anna just like with, for best picture, because I mean, he did such an amazing, weird. Oh, yeah ambitious little funky movie and it just comes off like gangbusters but you know in another year i think he'd win in a walk it depends on what you prioritize i'd rather prioritize that sort of artistic flair than i would the the slow deliberate you know dedication of Linklater's film which is not better directed by any other standard other than that one i think um you know dedication patience which is impressive in its own right but i just find that less impressive personally um but since we were talking about Foxcatcher, we'll use that uh, to segue over to Best Actor. Uh, we'll, I guess start with Steve Carell. That's sort of the, the breakthrough right here. Is uh, This is pretty clearly one of those career pivot roles, sort of like Bradley Cooper a few years ago, where, you know, hey, you have to take me seriously now. You have to think about me differently. Well, they would have to. If they knew anything about the story, they would, yeah. The whole movie, you were talking about um, Miller. He definitely, you know, his direction is very specific. You can tell right off that he's going for something. Of course, I, I remember the uh, the actual story in the news when it broke right. about what happened and all that. And so I remembered that. I remembered what happened, what the end result was, but I didn't remember. I didn't know any of the details, really, because I didn't read up on it other than when it happened. So um, so if you tie that in with Carell's performance, I mean, as soon as the movie starts and Carell shows up, you're going... What what is it with this guy? It's like it's a mystery, right? To, right off the bat, it's a mystery. You want you're trying to find out what its mystery is, and you you get quite a few uh, clues. But then even at the end, you're he's still a mystery. 
his character is definitely a force in that film, whether it's accurate or not, who, the, who can say, but it's definitely, yeah, every second he's on screen is like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. The, the one the one scene with the, the cocaine, that I was, I started laughing at that scene. <laughs> well, I mean, really, I mean, I mean, I mean, when you think about it, he has the nose built for snorting cocaine. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. That's what they had to give him the prosthetics for, is to yeah. make sure he could uh, get the big shovel in there, yeah. This will do it for you. This will fit it all in. Uh, so he's not going to win, but it's a huge breakthrough performance for him, and, and it could lead to much bigger and better things. Uh, we right. mentioned Bradley Cooper earlier. Uh, nominated, I think, for the third straight year. Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle, and this. I guess yep. they love him. They really, really love him. And I got to say, you know, I thought he was pretty good in all these, particularly American Hustle. I don't know. I thought he was really good in this. I mean, maybe it's not the best film in the world, but... I, he just kind of disappeared into it. I forgot I was watching Bradley Cooper most of the time. Yeah, whatever the problems are people have with that film, it's not his performance. Certainly, I mean, he's no, he's good. I think yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's a troubled individual. You can tell yeah. he's there's something behind his eyes, there's something behind everything he does. We don't quite totally understand it, but we we get to understand the pain of the guy. Right. We'll use uh, we'll use we're gonna jump ahead to the snub part of this, I think, and use Jill, the Gyllenhaal snub, which might be the biggest right. snub in any category not related to Legos. And I guess we should use this uh, this portion of it to just talk about Nightcrawler because we can get a chance to earlier because Gyllenhaal is Nightcrawler, you know, it's he he, yeah. he runs the whole movie. And I mentioned earlier, I thought it was very very tight, very well edited, um, just. Just a really simple, straightforward film. And there's actually a little bit of an argument about this on the internet. Maybe you guys are privy to it, maybe you're not. Um, there's sort of an argument about whether or not it's a good film because the character doesn't have an arc. He is pretty much the same guy, without giving away too much, pretty much the same guy at the end as he is in the beginning. And the right. argument is, do characters have to have arcs, or do films have to have arcs? But it sounds like you both love the movie, so I'm guessing I know where you come down. Well, one, at least one of them has to have an arc. What I said, actually, when somebody said, what's the movie you want to see a sequel of? I'm I'm there for like. You know, for Nightcrawler 2. Because I think they could do a lot with it. Crawl harder, Nightcrawler 2. Yeah. I mean, I'd even I'd even be interested in a prequel, because where did yes. that guy yes. crawl out of? I mean, he crawled out of something somewhere. He, what was he doing the rest of his life? Whoa. No, you're, abso- you're absolutely right. That is That actually would be way more interesting than a sequel. I remember I was watching this with my wife, and I think we were like 10 minutes into it, and he gave his little speech to that uh, foreman guy trying to get a right. job. And he starts right. spitting out all these truisms and quotes. Right. And I thought, for Wikipedia. some reason, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually, I'm not as in tune with, a, with any given movie as I was with this one. But as soon as he did that, I thought, I get it. I get this guy. I know what they're doing with this guy. He is just this glib, empty thing that is just consuming these thoughts and spitting them back out of people to get what he wants. And he just does that so well. Yeah. And one thing I really appreciate, and this is going to sound like a very superficial thing, but it bugs me every time. You have to have a little bit of a suspension of disbelief with any film because everyone in any of these movies is way too attractive to be the characters they're playing. You know, right. it's a little jarring sometimes. And sometimes with a guy like Gyllenhaal, who's very handsome, it can be very annoying. But I gotta say, they did a tremendous job with the sunken eyes and everything and the, the, the not quite right haircut. The little, you know, Japanese ponytail, all those things. They did a really good job of taking a very good looking man and making him look creepy and sleazy and just unpleasant. Yeah, I don't know how much of that was accomplished through, you know, makeup and wardrobe, how much of that was just, just Jonah. I mean, it was just his performance. He was just so off and so dark and so, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, right away you saw, oh, this, this guy's up. Right, right. <laughs> this, is, yeah. this, is, this is only going to go worse. This is going to be great. And just, uh, yeah, I love movies like this that, that kind of, um, uh, follow the dark characters to their logical extremes. I hate when they kind of, uh, uh, 
you know, pull up at some point, and they're like, well, that's that's too much. We can't go. I mean, he goes all the way with it. I mean, this guy yeah. is sociopath who wants to will do anything to get what he wants, and he does anything to get what he wants. Yeah, and after the first uh, sort of event or two where he's recording these things, I mean, I think everybody at that point who's paying any attention knows the kind of things he's going to end up doing. Um, right. And it doesn't matter. It really doesn't because it's this – there's a sense of dread and foreboding. You know what he's going to resort to. You're not exactly sure how he's going to do it and it's fun to find out. But just knowing that and having it hang over, you're sort of just waiting for him to become awful. And for some reason, it works. Yeah. You don't have to convince me. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So so we're all on board for Nightcrawler. We're all totally bummed it wasn't nominated. Um, Very big snub here. Um, The other two we haven't talked about yet are the favorites. And this actually might be a bit of a race now. Um, I think even when everyone had Boyhood winning – a lot of people still thought Keaton was going to take this. It's a cool comeback story, great movie. It leans on him heavily, personally. You know, there's a lot of, obviously, a lot of parallels with his own career, which is kind of a bummer because you only get to do that once. But, you know, if you look at the odds, Eddie Redmayne, kind of the favorite. I don't know if it's going to, I don't know if it'll shake out that way. I mean, I think it's still, I mean, it's going to be close. I think it's still Keaton to lose, but yeah, I mean, the other awards, you know, they're, you know, predictors and sometimes, and then the excitement or not. And I, I I don't know. I think it's going to be. I, I really don't see Hollywood just voting in on Moss against Keaton and this and what he did in this movie. I just. Eh, I don't well, see the that. logic of the Red Bane performance. I mean, he's got three huge things going for him, rightly or wrongly. The first is, you know, this ridiculous resemblance to Hawking, which is either a mix of I don't know. I thought they had sort of similar facial structures, but if not, just a transformation, right? Like he really looks a lot like Stephen Hawking by the end, and that hits people a lot when. A biopic is about a, uh, a relatively recent or still alive person because we can see them side by side and we all know what they look like intuitively. Right. Um, so that kind of makes it more impressive. The second is that the entire film hangs on him. He has to carry the whole thing. Uh, and the third is just the, just the raw work of portraying the physical ailment, which is sort of like one of those things where an actor puts on a lot of weight or loses a lot of weight or gains a lot of muscle for a role. You know, they like to honor that too. And he's doing all three, and he did do an excellent job. No, he's, he's very good. He's very good. There's no doubting that. And he's a new, and he's a fresh face too. He's thirty three years old. Right. But you put that up against the opposite story that they love, a guy like Keaton, a comeback story. Definitely go either way, but I I I I, I don't think it's just because I want it to go to Keaton, but I think it, I just logically it's going to go to him too. If the Academy needed uh, something to push him over the edge to pick Keaton, I would just say uh, look at the scene at the end of the movie after he takes his uh, bandages off and reveals his new look, and the scene where he goes to the window. Yeah, and looks right. outside, uh, looks out and up at the window, and the camera just kind of stays on him for about a, a minute. I I give it to him just for that scene. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you, I do hope he wins because I want, I want a little more Michael Keaton in my life, and uh, <laughs> this would help. So you both want him to win. You both think he will. I'm, I'm kind of on the edge on the think he will, but I definitely want him to. Yeah. Best actress is really jarring in that how few of the top films were represented here. And we've talked about this in years past, how there just aren't as many roles in great films for actresses, particularly older actresses, which are usually the ones who have the experience to be nominated for awards like this. You know, of the five Best Actress nominees, their respective films only produced six other nominations, and five of those were just for the theory of everything. I was surprised Gone Girl didn't get more nominations, so... Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, I mean, going back to Best Picture, I mean, part of when they expanded it from five to as many as ten... Yeah, kind of the reasoning at the time, what people thought was, well, this will let, let movies like The Dark Knight let you know one of those at least one of those mainstream, whatever yeah. <laughs> one of the top movies of the year was the blockbuster that's respectable on an artistic level. Yeah, that also doesn't suck. 
uh, that's not Transformers that might, you know, get through and and that hasn't happened yet and it hasn't happened this year <laughs> again. Yeah, and Interstellar didn't work either. Right. So. And Guardians of the Galaxy, which was super entertaining and well-reviewed and made a gazillion dollars and that's, you know, didn't make it. Yeah, I like that was, one. I mean, despite the, the snub of animation, which we'll get into, which is mind-numbing, I mean, even that I could have seen being nominated for Best Picture. It was just so popular and so beloved uh, when it was released. But, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, uh, when in, I mean, when you look at, look at those eight movies and look at what the women's roles are in those, and the eight that got nominated, I mean, the, the two most prominent female roles in there both got nominated as supporting actors, or as act, best actress for Felicity Jones and best supporting actress for, uh, for Boyhood, and then the others, you know, they're much smaller, less important roles. Whiplash, basically, you know, she's there for, 20 minutes of the whole movie. So, I mean, yeah. it's just, that's still the way it is. I mean, I frankly, I thought Wild was really good and could have gotten a nomination. I really like Still Alice. I mean, it was released very late and not many people saw it. But I like both of those. And Gone Girl. You know, Gone Girl is more mainstream. And it could have been one of those kind of blockbuster type things that also, and, you know, more genre than made through. But, I mean, Wild is great. Still Alice is great. Yeah. Uh, I think they're both really good, strong movies. And, for whatever reason, you know, don't make that cut for best picture very often. Although last year with the Judy Dench one uh, made it in for best picture. So, I mean, to say that it doesn't happen in general, you know. As we mentioned earlier, four of the nominees are biopics, and one of them, Birdman, is kind of close to a biopic in some ways anyway. And, you know, there's sort of like a weird little, maybe I'm speculating a little too much here, but there's like an historical delay. I mean, obviously, you know, throughout history, you've had, uh, you've had far more men in these kind of positions to have movies made about them, uh, for all sorts of, uh, very, uh, potentially disturbing or complicated social reasons, um, than women. And that's, that started to change very recently in human history. So I'm hoping that part of it is just sort of a lagging indicator that 50 years from now, we're going to have a lot more subjects for these real life biopics that about great women, um, that people pay a lot more attention to. Because right now, you know, you're looking back 40 or 50 years in a lot of these cases and you just don't see that. Like just nobody knows about any of it for what it was worth or they weren't given the opportunity. So I'm hoping that this is a sort of an historical artifact that just takes a couple generations to to rectify itself. Yeah, maybe maybe in you know 2070 when they're making movies about the 80s and 70s and 2020 as you know, looking back in through the lens of history, maybe there'll be more biopics about female characters. Well, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, and Julianne Moore, huge favorite from what I understand, just gonna run away yeah, with I this mean, one. Yeah, she'll win. She should win. She's great. This is her fifth nomination. She's. I mean, I, I really liked her performance. I really liked the movie. And, you know, she's been there for, she's 54. And it feels like she's been around longer than that. Um, but she's, she's great. She's one of my favorites in anything she does. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll be happy for her when she wins. And I think it's almost a foregone conclusion that she will. Yeah, I thought Reese Witherspoon was great and wild. Um, I thought she did a really good job. I mean, I think, you know, pound for pound is probably better than the one she won the Oscar for and walked the line. But, you know, it's just she's won before, and uh, Julianne Moore hasn't, is what it kind of boils down to. Uh, so the supporting categories for both, though, far more interesting, I think, uh, in both cases. I guess we'll do actress first. Um, Emma Stone in Birdman, again, uh, just a whole new chapter to her career potentially here. I like that... Um, I, lo- I love that Birdman just has, what, three acting nominations. I remember I was watching the film at one point and I thought, and there were three people on screen and I thought, all of these people, all of the people in this shot have been nominated for an Oscar. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun to watch. And you can see why, because all of them are uniformly fantastic. 
but Patricia Arquette looks like she's going to win this. Yeah, yeah. And she's won basically every word leading up to it, so there's no reason to think this will be any different. Right, and for the same sorts of reasons. You know, she literally had to portray the same character over a 12-year span, which is right. absurd, absurd. Yeah, and she's 46, not as her first nomination. You know, she's been mostly doing television stuff the last decade or so. But I think that line that uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler had at the uh, Golden Globes was, was hysterical. And they said, you know, there are great lo- great roles for women over 40. You just have to start them when you're in your 30s. <laughs> I really, I mean, what happened? I mean, she was in her 30s when she started it. And, yeah, and uh, but, she, yeah, she's good. I mean, uh, Ethan Hawke is good, but he's, you know, by the virtue of the character, he's in and out and much, you know, not as constant. In. And she did a really good job. I mean, she's kind of been relegated to the TV of late, but, uh, yeah, I mean, she kind of shows some of the early promise that she had. You know, I, w- one of the things about, you know, the filming over 12 years, first you have to pick a child actor and hope they're still around and interested when they're older and, you know, decent and you kind of have the same problem with your leads with Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette, which is, you know, like you said, she was in a pretty different place career-wise when she started this. And next thing you know, she's doing, you know, not just TV, but let's face it, some very mediocre rote TV work, some pay-the-bills kind of TV work. Um, and yet she's still coming back and doing this. And so it sort of pays off much further down the line. But I guess I'm just impressed that everyone hung around and that both of them are still relevant. You know, both of the um, – both Hawke and Arquette are still relevant 12 years later. Yeah, I mean, he, he and Ethan Hawke had collaborated. I think this is their eighth and ninth movie together or something. So as I, there was little doubt, I think, that uh, he was sticking out. Unless they had some huge falling out, and it would be awkward. Yeah. And, the, and the, you know, the daughter, the, the one who plays his sister in Boyhood, is is uh, the director's daughter. It's her, it's oh, I didn't daughter. know that. So, yeah, so, I mean, I, I guess that increased the odds that she would not get fed up and walk off the project. <laughs> Although, I guess, going through those teenage years, it just... Just as likely she would have done it as spite and said, you know, screw you, Dad. I'm- <laughs> I would kind of, I, I kind of would like to see the contracts here. I wonder what people were literally held to. Otherwise, he might have been out on a limb here and there. In exchange for food, water, and housing. <laughs> you will act for me once every six months. <laughs> there you go. As long as you live under my, under my roof, young lady, you'll be in my movies. You'll be in my movies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what I say goes. You know, listen to your father. Listen to your director. So Mer- Meryl Streep nominated again. I really don't have anything to say about this. Just, you know. Her 19th time. 19th nomination, which is just outrageous. I mean, you know, she's 66. You know, if, unless she has a stroke or a car accident or something, you know, there's no reason to think she won't act into her 80s and whatever, however long she lives. You know, she might wind up with, you know, 27 nominations. It's ridiculous. And we've talked in the past about how this is partially a reflection of the fact that she's awesome, obviously. But again, part of the just lack of opportunities for women actors so that someone like Streep can come in and just take all the best roles. And also, I mean, she she is an icon, and she is beloved. She is beloved by her fellow actors and other actresses, and, you know, they they reward that. Yeah, for, what, 40-some years in the business and nobody hates her? I mean, isn't that kind of incredible? Yeah, unless I mean, they hate her for taking up so many nominations. Yeah, I mean, maybe Renee Russo or Tilda Swinton hate her this year because they're thinking, that, that was my spy, you bitch, but probably not. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Probably defer to Meryl. Let's say nobody hates her outside of professional envy, which probably can't be right. avoided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, best supporting actor. Um, I, I'm not gonna say it's interesting because we know who's gonna win. It's gonna be J.K. Simmons. He absolutely deserves it. It's not because there aren't a lot of great performances here. I think it's actually a really strong category. Um, I like looking, I, I, I always reference the odds because I find them interesting. J.K. Simmons, last I looked, was 1 to 40. That is not 40 to 1. That's, they're, that's right. flipped. That's the other way around. They're saying. If you bet $40. You win 1. <laughs> <Yeah. What's that? laughs> 
Four, Go ahead, one, chap. <laughs> one to 40 odds. I was looking through them a few weeks ago, and at the time, uh, Julianne Moore was one to 33, and I thought, wow, I don't know if I've ever seen anything that high. And then I scroll down the page a little bit, and J.K. Simmons is one to 40, and I think, okay, well, these two categories are, are done for. Um, the other ones, Ethan Hawke, we already talked about, Edward Norton in Birdman, really good. I really liked him. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo, yeah. Foxcatcher, he's becoming a fixture. He's just, everything he does, he's pretty good in. Um, and Robert Duvall and the Judge, um, no chance there, but fun to see him again, even in... Yeah, I mean, that, that's the movie. one that they hadn't done this in a while. That will seem the one that was kind of just like, well, Robert Duvall's in his 80s. He's probably not going to act many more times. Like, eh, let's give him one. Because, I mean, that movie's very ordinary. I don't know if you guys saw that. But it's yeah, I saw it. very... Very predictable, very just, very ordinary. And, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is Robert Downey Jr. and Duvall's Duvall. But, I mean, as far as a film, it's really pedestrian and really forgettable. And I don't think he'll, you know, his performance was good because he's Robert Duvall, but it's nothing he hasn't done better in, you know, 17 other movies. Yeah, this is his seventh uh, nomination. He just has the one win for Tender Mercies back in 83. But, you know, uh, I mean, the, the one I feel sorry is for in this J.K. Simmons it's absolutely going to win yours, Mark Ruffalo, because I thought he, for all Foxcatcher's flaws and, and oddities, I mean, I thought Ruffalo was really, really, really good and really transformed himself kind of as much, if not more, than uh, Carell did, but without makeup. I mean, he just, I mean, he put on a lot of weight, but I mean, he really, I really thought Ruffalo was fantastic in that movie. I almost wanted to see a whole movie just about him. But uh, it's only his second nomination, but yeah, he does tend to, like, anything he shows up in, he's always good, even if it's a piece of crap. Yeah, but and I really thought you were going to say Norton, though. I really, because that would be my second. Oh, he's really good too. I mean, I mean, that's I mean, both of the between Ruffalo and Norton. I mean, other years they might have walked away with it, but it's just. Earlier, you said you know you feel sorry for Birdman because it ran into Boyhood, and you feel sorry for Keaton maybe because he ran into Redmayne potentially. We'll see. Um, and right. I kind of feel the same way about Norton with Simmons. I feel like he was just yeah. really, really good in that movie. I mean, and again, he's good in everything. Edward Norton is incredible, but I thought he was particularly good in this, playing a really weird manic character that he completely pulls off. And and like Keaton, kind of playing uh, a funhouse version of himself a little bit. He has a reputation in the business of being a little difficult, and so to kind of play that. Is a lot of fun for him, I'm sure. And uh, but yeah, it's just uh, not the right year for it, unfortunately. What do you think, Mark? Uh, you you with us on Simmons? I guess he's gonna win, but his character? Hmm. Yeah. But <laughs> you you yeah. Uh, most people will uh, definitely hate him and maybe think some of, some other things about him too. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna just gonna put a spoiler alert in front of this so we can talk about it a little bit. Um, so if you haven't seen the film, maybe you don't want to hear this, but I'll still be a little vague. Uh, this is gonna sound like a weird thing to say, but by the end of the film, he's basically Mr. Glass from Unbreakable. He's basically got the exact same motives. And I like that they sort of, you know, they, obviously they make you hate him, and it's not very hard, and it doesn't take very long. But then at the end, they do just enough that even if you don't like him or don't agree with his methods, it's increasingly difficult to find fault with his logic. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, what, that's why that movie's interesting, because, I mean... I think when... you're supposed to, but then people will fall uh, on the whole spectrum how much. Right. And well, so, and what, what's really smart about, I mean, the way it ends so, well, to say abruptly, obviously, um, it, it ends abruptly right after it, you, you're, you're starting to entertain that idea. So you're sort of reeling, you know, your, your idea of this character is upended a little bit and then the movie's over and you're like, whoa, 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 I got to rethink everything based on those last few minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's a really, it's a really, really good movie. And, uh, I mean, him wanting, not, it's not only warranted, but it's going to get that many more people to see the movie, which is good because it's really good, and I hope everybody sees it eventually. 
Let's talk about the screenplay categories. Uh, best original screenplay. One thing we always talk about, and one thing I always love about it, is that uh, usually in original uh, screenplay, you get something wacky. You get you get the being John Malkoviches of the world. Uh, I'm not sure if we were we really got anything this year though. I mean, this is the only place though where Nightcrawler is represented. So maybe that's the Academy's idea of wacky, given that they ignored it everywhere else. I, I mean, Grand Budapest Hotel. I mean, we're so used to Wes Anderson, and, but I mean, it's, you know, this is third screenplay nomination. But Grand Budapest Hotel is off beat certainly. It's all on Wes Anderson's beat, but certainly uh, off beat compared to Foxcatcher. Well, I mean, they're all weird movies, but. Except boy, I guess Boyhood's pretty mainstream. Yeah, I don't think Boyhood will win for screenplay because I mean I don't think that's what people think of it. I think when people can only award the design of it, it's through the direction, not through its screenplay. Uh, right. What is the argument for the screenplay nomination? Even I mean, I really just I, I, I laughed a few times. There's some interesting lines here or there, but it's just it's not particularly quotable. It's not particularly witty, or it's not constructed in any impressive way. You gotta remember in these. In these uh, Specific categories that the um, the members of each branch nominate. Everyone can vote for best screenplay now, but the the screenwriters are who nominate. And so this is their way of acknowledging what an audacious, cool idea that was. Maybe it's not the best script. Maybe if you read it, it would have to end. be. Yeah, it would have to yeah. be for the idea because, for all we know, the screenplay was written just before each time they went to film. Yeah, so I don't think it'll win here. I mean, it, it, there have been years where whatever the best picture winner is tends to kind of get swept up in the, the, the bottom category. People just start ticking that off. But I don't, it probably won't be. This will be the way since Birdman probably isn't going to win picture and is not going to win director. But this is what they'll give it. This yeah. is the way to reward that movie for how brilliant that was. I think I think uh, you shouldn't uh, underestimate Wes Anderson as well. I think he's got a chance. Yeah, this could be the way, the, the same, in the same way that this is his kind of first way to break through the nomination. This could be his first way to give him a win, which is how the Coen brothers, you know, they won for screenplays. A couple of their actors won before they won as best director. So, yeah, I mean, it could, it could happen. Um, I would think Birdman, because it's not going to win, likely not going to win picture and director, this is, uh, the way it's going to get rewarded. Yeah, and if for some reason Boyhood wins, then we know it's a sweep, right? Like if Boyhood somehow pulls this off, then we know everyone's just going. You get everything. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I would think so. I would think, yeah, I would think the odds of Boyhood winning screenplay and then not winning picture are probably pretty flat. And everything else for that matter, right. yeah. Right. Okay, so adapted's a little more interesting this year uh, potentially. Uh, we've got. I'll just run through them real quick: Jason Hall, American Sniper; Paul Thomas Anderson, Inherent Vice; Graham Moore for The Imitation Game; Anthony McCartan. Uh, for the theory of everything, and Damien Chazelle uh, for Whiplash. And there's a little controversy. I think, old you posted about this about Whiplash. This uh, is subject to the arcane rules of what qualifies as adapted to the Academy. Adapted right? from itself. Yeah, right. Adapted from itself from a short film, and not. I mean, we get that a lot. The short film that becomes a film. You get that with Sling Blade, for example. Yeah. But in this case, it's it's more it's even sillier than usual because the short film was created just to help finance the actual film, right? Right. I mean, I mean, I think that's why Sling Blade and a couple of others have done it were, you know, in theory too. But I mean, I think if Sling Blade hadn't been made, that movie was, you know, winning. The some folks call the Sling Blade the short that was made the year or two before, you know, it won festival awards and stuff. So it's not, it was kind of surviving on its own. If it had somehow never been made into a feature, it would still exist. This really was just like, well, it's hard to explain a movie about a jazz drummer and a teacher. How we get, how we get people to read this? We can't get people to read this. You know what? Let's put 
let's put 20 minutes of it together. We'll get J.K. Simmons, some of his performance down. People will see it, they'll feel it, and we'll get financed, which is what they did. And it did great. It, it did get so noticed at Sundance that they got the financing. But I mean, that's, and this is going to happen more, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, it was so expensive to make even a short film and to get lighting and actors and everything together that it just wasn't done. The rule made sense back then, right. but now maybe it needs to be revisited. Yeah, now when a digital camera is so cheap and it's so easy to shoot, uh, especially for someone who knows what they're doing. To you could do it on your phone if you had to. Good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they might want to. Uh, I guess they're not going to change because they're just not going to change. But <laughs> but yeah, so, I, so rather than Whiplash probably easily winning best screenplay, or at least getting Birdman run for its money. Now it's in this category with, you know, adapted from books. So. Yeah. Well, what do you think is going to win here? Because I, I got to be honest, this looks a little wide open to me. Yeah. I mean, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is the only one who's been nominated before. They're all new nominees. Yeah. And, and in terms of degree of difficulty, he's adap- he's adapting a pension novel for crying right. out loud. And I think like, that's why, I mean, besides the fact that he, this is his fourth nomination as a screenwriter, uh, um, something they obviously like him and he does ambitious things. I mean, yeah, to take on, <laughs> to take on a, an author that most people can't get through reading and to, <laughs> right. get, you know, for whatever the movie's flaws are and, you know, people's expectations, you know, kind of deflated. But I mean, just the idea of it. I mean, that's, that's why that nation is there. Well, and it's, it's lack of nominations is kind of conspicuous. When uh, the trailer, you see the trailers and you see Paul Thomas Anderson and you think, oh, this could be everywhere. This could be one of those right. 10 nomination films potentially. And it wasn't. It just gets this. And uh, if they want to honor him, this is really kind of their only chance. Yeah, they're, um, they're tough, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> those great 70s before our close. Yeah, I mean, I will have the same conversation if someone tries to do Infinite Jest in a decade or something like that. But just again, the degree of difficulty for something like this. Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, American Psycho, Jason Hall, it's his first nomination. This is only the third feature he's ever written. Gray Moore, it's his first nomination and his first feature he ever wrote. He wrote on some TV shows. McLaren. I guess he first, chose the right profession. Yeah, yeah. Uh, McLaren, uh, McCartan, I'm sorry, Anthony McCartan, it's his first nomination. It's only the fourth feature, the first one in English he's done. Damon Chazelle, obviously the young writer directed Whiplash. It's his first nomination. He's written a few other scripts before, but this is, I mean, so they're all newbies except for Paul Thomas Anderson. So I don't know if that gives him an edge or if this just means it's completely wide open. I mean, none of these are really competing for best picture. Um, right, that's what so makes it interesting. It's just, I mean, this one really is kind of flip the coin. It, 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 the imitation game or Whiplash? Yeah, I mean, I think Whiplash. That's what I was leaning towards. Whiplash I think the, the other three don't have a chance in hell. <laughs> I think. Well, I think. I think Whiplash being that he's also the director. That he's a writer director, and in Paul Thomas Anderson, only two on that list who are writer directors probably gives him the edge if you have to pick it. And I mean, it's it's a really good movie. It's a, it, like. Birdman, it, you know, unless Michael Keaton wins, it's kind of the only way to to give Whiplash a pat on the back <laughs> officially for for being so such a cool, great little movie. But um, it's not going to win Best Picture. But here's adapted screenplay for you and and make. Well, it's winning Best Supporting Actor. I'm Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, I think Whiplash is coming up, uh, but I think the actual favorite uh, for a while since the nominations were. Made is that so-called ho-hum British uh, BBC The Imitation Game. I, I I really think that one is the has is the one to beat. But Whiplash is on the outside, uh, catching up a little. So um, 
Yeah, last I looked at the odds, Graham Moore was the favorite. I don't remember if he was a large favorite, though. And it, it does feel like, it does feel more wide open than pretty much any of the other major categories right now. Mm-hmm. Except for, I think it's only wide open with Tino's, too. Yeah, the, the one, the one that's kind of a snub here that was really a surprise, I mean, as much as it's not showing up other places was a surprise, was, uh, uh, Gone Girl, which, you know, Fincher did, and has gotten lots of nominations, and, and Gillian Flynn, who was the author of the novel and adapted the screenplay with Fincher, I mean, that was really kind of like, wow, that didn't make the cut. I mean, I think if it made the cut, it's almost like, they so love to, to award the novelist who comes and works in Hollywood or the playwright who comes, the respected novelist or the respected playwright who comes to work in Hollywood. I think, you know, it, they might have won in a walk, but with them not being there, yeah, it's pretty open. Okay, so speaking of snubs, though, you know what I'm talking about now. Best animated film. Uh, possibly the biggest snub of the year or the last five years or whatever else. The Lego movie, not nominated when people thought not only would it be nominated, but I'm guessing both of you and myself as well thought, oh, it's going to run away with the, with the award itself. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I still don't really understand how that happens. <laughs> Maybe no one will understand. Hope somebody wants I mean, did people it. just not see it? And I mean, because I, I got to be honest, when I heard, you know, oh, they're making a Lego movie, I thought, meh. You know, why would I expect this to be any good? It sounds silly. Yeah, but whatever, whatever, whatever people's preconceived, preconceived notion of, of, you know, being that, you know, tied to a toy. I mean, everybody saw it. It made a gazillion dollars. Everybody's kids saw it. I mean, all these people in Hollywood, most of them, unless they're really super young, all have kids, all have to see, get, get the DVD at least, if not take their kids to see the movie just like everybody else does. Everybody saw that movie. Everybody enjoyed that movie. It made, a gazillion dollars, and it didn't make it somehow. I just, I just don't understand how that happened. Could be one of those things where, on the ballots, the people who can nominate, just like everyone thought, well, everyone else is going to nominate it. I mean, if they thought it was a movie about waffles, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so one of those, it doesn't need my help kind of thing, which we see with our own lists that we compile sometimes. Maybe every now and then it happens uh, for the big stuff. Yeah. There's an explanation. Normally, there's an explanation like, well, maybe. They thought this, or it was, or it was disqualified because of this, or right. whatever. But I've never heard of disqualified. I mean, an explanation. Um, yeah. Unless uh, I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't even come up with a hypothetical reason. You're right. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I mean, and they nominated five films. They could have nominated three. Right. right. I guess, I guess right. there were right. so many films available, but I guess right. that wasn't one of the best five. I mean. They know what they're doing. We've been we've been trying to cover their butts now for a long time. <laughs> yeah, we can't do it anymore. They're on their own. Yeah, it's, own it's very very strange, very conspicuous, and very strange. I just uh, I, I don't know if anyone will ever explain it. <laughs> I don't. But I think strange. the Lego Movie was trending on Twitter for four days straight after this happened. Yeah, I have no, people would just not shut up about it. Uh, oh, and worth pointing out, no Pixar films in 2014. Right, uh, first time since 2005 they haven't had one. Um, not a lot to say there. When they put one out, it usually ends up in there. And other 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 five that did get nominated, man, I thought How to Train Your Dragon 2 was really good, and Big Hero 6 I actually loved a lot. That was one of those uh, I expected nothing. And How to Train Your Dragon 2 I I like. I think it's probably just about as good as the original, which are both very good movies. But Big Hero 6 I went in thinking, all right, I'll go see this. I went with my niece and dad. They're like, all right, that looks all right. And I was really, really entertained. Now, I, I could be spaced out, which has happened a lot lately, um, the Lego movie was written and directed by the same guys that did the Jump Streets, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted that, I mean, because that's the only tie-in that I can think of 
but even then, I don't think the even the other people would de- even know that it was made by the people. Yeah, who made and the I don't film. think they got punished for making a, a lower brow, you know, mainstream. I mean, the Jump Street's got anyway. better reviews and better, uh, uh, you know, opinion from just average people than I expected them to. But uh, so I don't think that could be the reason. But uh, uh, still. I saw saw an article on uh, Hollywood Reporter or something talking about, I'd never heard this before, but it's pretty funny, the Norbit effect. Have you heard of this? This Remember when Eddie Murphy got nominated for Dreamgirls and all the ads coming out, right, all the ads coming out were, oh, look out for next month, Eddie Murphy and Norbit. And everyone was like, oh, what a horrible piece of crap. And and they a lot of people vote against him for Norbit. Right, and a lot of people think (laughs) it really hurt his Oscar choices that, that that was such an obvious, like, lowbrow piece of crap and here he is trying to win an Oscar and it was coming out I think it came out in like February so I mean it was really coming out you know almost at the same time of the Oscars and that really hurt his chances so now everyone's kind of always looking for that is is there a Norbert effect I don't think there's one I don't think there's a Norbert effect with them directing the 22 Jump Street that, that made them I think it's just who knows what I, I, I wish the answer was that simple but I don't think it is it's just some weird weird anomaly but I gotta say Eddie Murphy he forgot that you wait until you get the Oscar and then you do the cash in movie if you're Halle Berry you do Catwoman next right. after Monsters Ball right uh, or if you're uh, if you're if you're uh, Jamie Foxx after Ray that's when you do stealth and make 10 million dollars because they can't take it away um, once you already have it uh, any uh, thoughts on... I'm just going to go through a handful of things here. I've not seen really... I've only seen Citizen Four at a Best Documentary feature. I haven't seen any of the shorts, um, so I don't have any informed opinions on it, but maybe you guys do. Well, uh, I was surprised by it that Life Itself wasn't nominated. Yeah. And I have a I, soft spot for uh, um, Yodorowsky's Dune, but I, I can see why yeah. it might have had a problem getting nominated. Yeah. But, that was surprising, yeah. Because it does kind of uh, tell Hollywood that you did a bad thing. 40 years ago, you did a very bad thing. But look what happened after it. But yeah, those are those are two documentaries that I really liked. Yeah, and was the Vermeer one, was that this year? I can't remember. Was that this year or last year? Which one? This year Tim's Vermeer. Tim's yeah. Vermeer, yeah. Was that this year, too? That was, that, that was 2013, technically, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I saw the I Finding watched, uh, whatever that lady was. Yeah, I, I, I watched Finding Vivian there. It's on uh, Showtime, I believe. If people have Showtime on demand or they want to watch it before. It's uh, it's there, right? The last few years well, have been the popular ones since they re- yeah. they redid the thing where you don't have to prove that you watched all five nominated right. films right. to vote for them. Hey, I don't have any rules. That there's so many weird rules, they're all mixed together. I mean, it's still to me, it's still bizarre that each country has to come up with an official uh, film to to put in the foreign film category. Right. And it foreign has to be put in b- before the end of the year. And crap like right. this is just too weird. I realize the logistics are a nightmare for them to deal with, but why can't we just say we're going to just, you know, we'll nominate this film. Why does the country have to nominate it? That becomes a, a political thing. Yeah, and kind of why can't a country have a really good year? That's, of course. Uh, best original song. Okay, so we all agree that this is where they're going to make up for their mistake in best animated. I hope, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I they guess. seem to be pushing uh, the Selma song. Do, do we know if they're performing these live again? Are they doing? Oh the yeah, they're going to have life-size Legos performing them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, it's, I don't it's know be yet. I, I haven't heard yeah, it. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't paid attention to the, uh, yeah. the most ridiculous live performance since Blame Canada, probably. Hopefully. Yeah. 
The other three films uh, represented Begin Again, Beyond the Lights, and Glenn Campbell, All Be Me. Uh, not really recognized, I think, in any other category at all. So, yeah, Begin Again was actually a movie I loved. I loved that movie, and it, you know. Oh wait a minute, fast. Begin Again. No, yeah, I saw it too, but I didn't. I didn't recognize the song from it though. Yeah, it's a really good movie. It was uh, the guy who did uh, uh, Once. And this is the yeah, game set in New York City. It's Mark Ruffalo, another really good performance, by the way. He's leading this one. And Keira Knightley, another good performance. They were both nominated for other movies, but uh, both Yeah, there were really some good, good songs in there. I just don't know which one this is. Yeah, I, I'm actually surprised because I remember, you know, the last few years we've been doing this, there usually was kind of a runaway winner or two in Best Song. There was something like the Melissa Etheridge song. Um, uh, there was, uh, you know, there was Once, for example, where it just seemed really obvious right. that Falling Slowly was going to take it. It's just, you know, just very good. You listen to them and you think, yeah, I get it. Um, but this year, eh, not so much. Yeah, they were, they were all pretty good songs. It was, it's actually, I really liked that movie and it had good music and it, good energy and I liked it. If you liked Once, I'd say you'd like it. It's, it's a little, you know, more traditional than that, narrative wise. But even within that, I thought they, they played with it a lot and kind of the expectations of where you think it's going to go doesn't hit every note that way. And I thought it was a fun, it was a really sweet, fun movie. Yeah. Uh, best editing. We talked a little earlier about um, how uh, Birdman wasn't nominated and how that was a little conspicuous and uh, things like that. Um, I don't know. I guess I guess they're going to give this to Boyhood, but I, I don't I don't see it. Uh, maybe I maybe I don't know much about editing, but I feel like something like Whiplash is probably a much greater challenge uh, to let people know what's going on and convey a sense of urgency and panic, but not a loss of control. Whereas with Boyhood. You know, what you're really saying is, you sat in an editing bay off and on for 12 years. Here, here's your statue. Well. I mean, the editing isn't exactly interesting or tight or audacious or bold or any adjective you want. It's just there's a lot of it over a long period of time demonstrating, again, true. we say this every category. Every category for Boyhood, we say it's an award for the fact that you bothered to do this. Well, if you want to talk about interesting and uh, if you want to talk about interesting and, and audacious uh, editing, I mean, Grand Budapest Hotel is in this, and that, I mean, yes, talk about yeah. all that the mixing of media and all that. It's really a fun, uh, fun movie. So, uh, kind of rooting for that one to, to pull it out, but who knows? I'd be I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with Whiplash too. Um, yeah, just because I think Whiplash just, is the I mean, fun that... one I'm kind of, uh, what I guess, would predict, and I, Grand Budapest Hotel yeah. is the one I'm kind of rooting for. We mentioned earlier. Um, uh, is it Ida or Ida in Best Foreign Language Film? Ida or Ida? Well, on the on the Golden Globes, they kept pronouncing it Ida. So, well, the reason I bring it up is because normally you get a hint in foreign language from which one of the films manages to get nominated elsewhere. And in this case, that's Ida in Best Cinematography. Um, also, the other nominees for t- cinematography: Birdman, Mr. Turner, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and Unbroken. Well, that uh, which... that uh, is a bit of complete, so we can move along. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and uh, we can, let's combine two other categories while we're at it: production design and costume design. Grand Budapest Hotel for both, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's not going to win any of the bigger awards in particular, I mean, these are—I feel like it should sweep a lot of these technical ones. Wait, are you guys saying Birdman's going to win for cinematography? Just oh, hell yes! Yeah, okay. Just making sure. I just make sure make sure we had the same foreground conclusion before we conclude them. Okay, sure. For both production design and costume, Grand Budapest Hotel. Just the, it's not just that the costumes are and the production are, are like interesting and unusual. It's that they just mix so many different styles and so many different, as you said, mediums. Like they're doing like digital and paper mache and animation and just like every little thing you can imagine. It's like this giant arts and crafts store just exploded onto the screen. Um, I, I, I'm really, really taken. I think it. Into the Woods and Maleficent are more kind of the. Um costumes 
type of costumes that, that's won a lot in the past, and Mr. Turner is a kind of historical, epic kind of costume design. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Into the Woods, uh, I, I could win, but, I mean, Grand Budapest Hotel is definitely the most interesting choice in Outlandish, and I, I, hope it, uh, I hope it makes it. Okay, so every year, I, we mentioned this earlier, every year, Mark, uh, you explain the difference between sound editing and sound mixing to me, and every year I forget. So will you indulge me one more time? Okay. Until next year. It's really pretty easy. Um, the thing to remember, best sound editing, that was uh, a relatively new category. But they, it used to be best sound effects editing, and they, they decide to edit the effects out. So that's that's usually when they have things like uh, explosions or, uh, you know, crackling of... Uh, of grass or something in some suspense scene, uh, or foley work or something like that, where things they have a library for, where they don't actually make. Well, the they do, they do, because right? that's that's can. technically, but it's the way they edit it together, so you can't tell what's new, what's old. Uh, hopefully, it would all be new, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, best sound mixing used to be called best sound. Just what film had the best sound all throughout? Not just whatever effects you want to call, but people's voices. Uh, you know, whether they had, you know, you had something going, cutting all the way across the screen or anything, you know, stereophonic effects, things like that. So the way I remember it is best sound editing was best sound effects editing. And so that's the effects one. And I think right now the, the leader in, in both is, uh, Interstellar, but, but there is an outside uh, person creeping up. Whiplash is only is only in the best sound. But, uh, but with your explanation, I guess it makes a little more sense that way. I mean, they're not adding in a lot of new bizarre sounds. It really is the mixing, I guess, with all the with all the drumming. The thing that's happened recently is they've been nominating uh, a musical for the last couple of years in the best sound mixing category because they've been recording mi- uh, musicals live, where before yeah, they would right. always post, you know, do the voice, do the photography to uh, record the voices first uh and uh, there were a lot of films getting uh musical films getting nominations for sound mixing yeah lames or whatever yeah sound editing is usually war films uh, or uh effects extravaganzas but then again sound mixing is as often those too because of the you know the, whatever film would give you the more memorable sounds uh do you guys have anything else that you want to cover that i did not or that you did not like in cinematography so uh, Roger Deakins again, he's becoming like the, the the current joke where he's this is gonna be his twelfth nomination and he's never won. He's by far one of the, the most respected cinematographers of his generation of working around today. He works with the Coen Brothers. He works with everybody. He's made he's shot ten of your favorite movies that you can name. He's he shot them. He never won an Oscar. Won't win again. He was nominated for Unbroken. Uh, his bad luck. That, that was the one he got attached to this year. Um, but, yeah, uh, the, you know, but the Coen Brothers, the Coen Brothers wrote the Unbroken, didn't they? They did. Well, they did. They didn't originate it. They did like they did the last polish, I believe. It, it went through like seven versions, and they did the last. But they are credited screenwriters, and you know, okay. for the WGA, you do have to get through quite a few hoops to actually get. Because I so wondered they, they are, if he was connected to the movie uh, because of them somehow. I don't think so. No, I think he was just uh, okay. the project. 
I mean, he does work. He is a – Deacons is 65 now. Um, I imagine a cinematographer can work well into their 80s probably. But is, is this guy going to get one? He's got to be due for one of those obligatory Scorsese, The Departed, uh, career wins. Or he should get an honorary Oscar, that's for sure. Yeah, he has already won the uh, Lifetime Achievement Award from the American Society of Cinematographers. And he's won their uh, you know, equivalent award three times. He's just never won the Oscar. But that is why I think I went through that on the, on the uh, site. I mean, that is the least effective of the... Uh, Guild Award for predicting is the cinematographer. A American Society of Cinematographers, like 50% of the time, I think, or maybe even less than that, they're just, they just don't think up. What, what if some, when the cinematographers get together and sit down and say, wow, that was the best movie of the year. Look how, look at that, look at that, look at that. And then when it gets to the, you know, Academy general leadership, they don't, the votership, they do not, uh, not vote the way cinematographers, they have different eyes, let's put it that way. They so, just look at movies completely differently <laughs> than your average really cinematographer, do. right? So, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, some of these things you look at, you know, maybe directing or acting or something like that, you don't necessarily need to be a good actor to see, to recognize great acting, but you probably need to be a pretty good cinematographer to pick out, you know, gorgeous cinematography, apparently. Probably, or at least get the, 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 the variance in what, what well, heck, you should at least be able to frame your own photograph. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you again, uh, both for doing this. Uh, four years running. I enjoy it every year. Uh, thank you for your insights and expertise. And uh, yeah, see you there. All right. All right. right. See you guys. You will, Mark. Wild them in the end. You got hit. You can have flaws, problems, but wild them in the end. And you've got a hit.